Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome to the Audible presented by Trader Joe's. I'm Stuart Mandel, joined as always by Bruce Feldman this week leading into Christmas. Bruce, we've got a great guest on today. It's Utah receiver Britton Covey. If you are not familiar with him, he has been at Utah since 2015. Tremendous slot receiver, return man, and just has a great story. He actually, this is, he may be the first player at Pac-12 Media Days, Bruce. He, he sought me out. He, his SID was like, uh, Britton Covey wants to meet you. Can you, can you come up here at this time? And, uh, so we're going to talk to him about a, a whole bunch of things, but a couple things college football wise off the top. First of all, did you get to see any of the bowl games so far? I did. I got to see most of them, at least portions of most of them. So I always love this time of year just because it's a spotlight on a bunch of teams that maybe people didn't get a get a full glimpse at. I'll be honest, we're taping this right towards the end of the uh, the bowl game today, which is like, I don't even remember the names of the bowls, but I know <laughs> that Tulsa You're is talking about the ODU. Myrtle Beach Bowl. Yeah, and ODU had couldn't you know was unable to play last year, um, and Ricky Ronnie's first season is cool to see them get some national spotlight. So that's why I was you know like this first week of the bowls because I just think it gives a stage to a lot of you know a lot of people maybe don't get to see Devin right. Tompkins how like one of the most exciting players in college football, but you saw well, him on the Jimmy Kimmel Bowl the other day. A great example of that, and as you say it, I realized I had to think about which bowl this was. I knew who played in it. It was uh, Western Kentucky, Appalachian State. It was actually the Boca Raton Bowl. And Bailey Zappi is an example of somebody who maybe most people never saw play this year, um, the Western Kentucky quarterback. And then the next thing you know, you're turning into this bowl game, and they're like, he's about to break the uh, record for most yards in a season. He almost got to 6,000. So it's, it's a great story. First of all, they, they, they hung a lot of points on a, on a pretty good Appalachian State team. And just the story of, if you remember... In the 2020 COVID season, Houston Baptist decided, you know, when all of FCS canceled to the spring, Houston Baptist said, now we're going to we're going to play a few games this fall against Texas Tech and a few other teams. And because of that, they got on TV and everybody got to see this really high scoring air raid offense. And so in Western Kentucky needed a new offensive coordinator this year, they hired they hired the Houston Baptist OC. And then the next thing you know. Uh, he's bringing with him his record-setting quarterback and his star receiver, and they just went out and had a great year this year, and you got to see that in the bowl game. Yeah, and that that record-setting uh, quarterback slash OC, Zach Kitley's the OC's 30. Um, Texas Tech fans would have known him. He was around Mahomes and Cliff Kingsbury back you know, not that long ago, and he's going to be the new offensive coordinator. So I think a lot of fans in the Big 12 were probably watching that and seeing what what he was able to do there with Bailey Zappi. I know I got a lot of intel on Bailey Zappi from that senior bowl story I did where those scouts 
are very excited about him. And so I would expect he will be playing in the NFL next year. And there's a lot of people who are very intrigued by him. He's a prolific quarterback. And um, look, we're going to talk some quarterbacks a little bit more. I don't know if I want to jump out of the bowl discussion right now, but as we're looking at a lot of portal stuff, there's a lot of pretty recognizable names that are looking for second and I guess maybe even third third destinations yeah. as they restart their college careers. Well, look, bowl season is a marathon, not a sprint. You know, we will have plenty of time to talk about more of these games. As I look at the schedule, I mean, December uh, 28th is still more than a week away as of we're recording this. That's when you get Holiday Bowl, NC State, UCLA, Guaranteed Rate Bowl, Minnesota, West Virginia. Like that's you know probably still a week away from some of those games that you'll be like, oh yeah, I gotta I gotta watch this one. Um, Oregon, Oklahoma is on the 29th. But yes, I there have been several notable uh, transfer portal QB announcements recently. Spencer Rattler is going to South Carolina. I think that caught people by surprise. Um, uh, just yesterday, Bo Nix, the Auburn quarterback, going to Oregon, the team he beat in his very first game as a as a college uh, player. Um, any one of these in particular that you looked at and go, oh, wow, that could be really interesting? I think there's two that jumped out at me. One is Max Johnson going to Texas A&M. He, by the way, just beat the Aggies in the last regular season game. And we'll see, you know, like we've talked a lot about whether, you know, when Jimbo Fisher, he has this number one ranked recruiting class, which Max Johnson adds to, when, you know, will this be the class that, I don't want to say puts Texas a over the top, but will this be the class that Jimbo Fisher can leverage into winning a national title at in College Station? The other one is Dylan Gabriel, who 70 touchdowns, 14 picks in three seasons at UCF. Now he comes out to L.A., to play for UCLA, he technically has three seasons of eligibility left. Um, that'll be an interesting fit in this How offense. How is that possible? Because he has a COVID year. But he played, didn't he play three years for UCF? I think, my understanding is, I think he has, he think he has three seasons left. Okay. I'll take your. I mean, so wow, what, he could be. He could out Britain Covey, Britain Covey. This year, Stu, he only. <laughs> this year, he only played three games. Okay, okay, well that makes sense then. It's a medical year. Um, I think that's a great pickup for them. Obviously, Quinn Ewers is going to continue to be a, a, a fascinating uh, figure. He went so quickly from you know. I remember you guys were out at the Elite Eleven camp uh, in what was that July. And at that point, you think he's not going to be a college quarterback for another year. And that was really the first chance for everybody to see him in person who came in with you know five-star, the perfect 1,000 rating on 24-7. And I remember you guys came back like, well, I think he's still got a ways to go. And then the next thing you know, he's at Ohio State. And now he's leaving Ohio State, and he's going to be at Texas, the school we expected him to be at all along. So you combine that with Casey Thompson, Texas's starter for most of this year. Transfer, he has entered the portal. And suddenly we're looking at a very real possibility he could be their quarterback next year. Yeah, I, I, there's one other quarterback I would like to talk about. He's almost the flip side to Quinn Ewers, who had a massive amount of hype in Texas. And that is Cam Ward, who had almost no hype coming out of high school. He basically had no FCS offers other than Incarnate Word. He's a big 6'3", 220-pound guy with a big arm. Had a huge freshman year for Incarnate Word, which was... Uh, Eric Morris, who's now the 
offensive coordinator at, at Washington State, but he was the head coach there. Where he was the he won the Jerry Rice Award, best freshman in in FCS, put up huge numbers. And again, this guy he went to their camp and blew up, but it was like nobody was on him out of high school, and now he is a big hot recruit that I think a lot of of FBS programs are trying to get to come there. And he has, like I said, he just finished his freshman year, so he has a lot of time left on his clock. It'll be interesting to see where his second act goes. It's crazy how many college football coaches now, you used to talk about the Mike Leach tree. Now there's technically a Cliff Kingsbury tree, right? In terms of, I mean, you just mentioned two in the last five minutes. Yeah, Zach Kittley is definitely part of it. I mean, Eric Morris was Cliff Kingsbury's buddy. They were... Uh, together at Houston and then uh, Kingsbury brought him with him uh, back when he got hired at Texas Tech and he was the OC there but Morris was a really good slot receiver at uh, for Leach back then so um, but there yeah there's a there are a handful of guys who would be considered Cliff Cliff Kingsbury protégés but certainly all fall into the you know the air raid tree in some variation or not. Um, let me ask you one quick one because we taught you mentioned the name, but like, uh, how big of a deal do you think it is that Shane Beamer in South Carolina got Spencer Rattler? Oh, a huge deal. I mean, look, we've talked about it so many times on here. He did not play well at all for Oklahoma this year and eventually lost his job to Caleb Williams. And we talked about, we think the hype got ahead of him and whatnot, but at the end of the day, he got that five-star rating and he threw for all those yards as a freshman for a reason. He's very talented. Um, whatever caused him to regress this year, I don't necessarily say, oh, there's no, you know, he's going to stink at South Carolina. Um, he could certainly, could certainly see him get back to that, but obviously it's a much different situation. He had Oklahoma, you're playing for, you're playing on a perennial playoff team with all these great receivers around you and whatnot. South Carolina's in rebuild mode. They had certainly had a better season than I expected this year, uh, beat Auburn, but you know, then lost 30 to nothing to South Carolina. So that's I mean, to Clemson. So that's where they are at. But you know, Shane Beamer, he must have really um, connected with him during his the one year they overlapped there. And so he of all the places he chose there, definitely I think it seemed very random to people at first until you realized the Shane Beamer connection. Yeah, actually, I think, if I'm not mistaken, he would have overlapped with Shane Beamer for two years. Oh, you're right, because he had a retro year. Yeah, so, but, yeah, look, that's a that's a good get, I think, for South Carolina. I'm interested to see how both, you know, I'm interested to see how all these guys do in their, in their new homes, you know. So, um, this will be, this will be fascinating to see all these, all these other dominoes, how they, where they land as well. Uh, Adrian Martinez from Nebraska, he goes to K-State. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like there's a handful of others that have kind of it, know, it's happened. <laughs> there's so many. I mean, it, it truly is free agency. It's it's impossible to keep up with the the rate at which these guys are transferring. Um, and there's by the way, there's still to be determined in terms of Keaton Slovis, um, a couple others. I saw. Let's see. Jack Plummer went from Purdue to Stanford. Um, Well, you had uh, Michael Penix Jr. He went right. from that Indiana to Washington. Indiana, well, that was a huge one, really, um, in terms of he got hurt this year. But, but you know, the Michael Penix we saw in, in 2020, 
Um, we, we mentioned it in passing, but we should talk about Bo Nix. Um, you know, it, to me, this is an interesting one because I feel like the, the amount pe- the average college football fan has heard about Bo Nix in the last three years because of being in the SEC, because of being at Auburn, he beat Alabama, he's, you know, legacy there. You would think he's, you know, this this superstar college quarterback. And then you look at the stats and it's like, oh, actually, you know, I, I looked it up. He's been ranked in the 80s in pass efficiency each of his three seasons because he has these really great games and then he has these, you know, uh, not so great games. He's very up and down. And he's and so now he's going to Oregon where everybody got really frustrated with Anthony Brown this year. I hope this is an upgrade, but I wonder if it could be much the same. Yeah, well, it'll be interesting to find out. Like you said, there's a there's a bunch of these guys who are. I mean, we didn't mention the guy who beat Alabama, Zach Calzada. He's in there, right? So yeah, um, this is the way it is now. Um, every quarterback in the country could conceivably change teams uh, by the following season. I'll tell you though, it makes for a great segue because we're about to talk to somebody who never once changed teams, despite being in college football for seven years. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Bruce, we are pleased to be joined by Utah receiver Britton Covey, who uh, obviously the Utes are going to the Rose Bowl. They won the Pac-12 championship. Britton recently announced he's going to be turning pro, um, which maybe caught some people by surprise, but not if they know how long you've been in college. (laughs) Since 2015, right? Everybody famously says your first game at Utah was Jim Harbaugh's first game at Michigan. Uh, that's my first thing. I'm just curious, you know, now that you know, you know it's winding down, how, you know, t- t- talk us through how much maybe Utah football has changed since you first got there. And then just, you know, being a college football player for that long and what you've observed. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, like you said, been here for a long time and most people that go to college for seven years are doctors. So it's about time I leave. So um, it's been, it's been amazing. It's been an just an unbelievable journey. You know, I've been here for, so I've actually, this is my fifth season, but this is the first season that I've actually been able to, to finish, to play a whole year. Um, Cause I was injured in two of the other seasons and then it was a COVID year. And then I was a, a red shirt in my other year. So it's been really fun to be able to finish a full year. And yeah, I've been able to see, I feel like the program grow in its time in the PAC 12 because I came in, I'm not sure if it was like the fourth year in the Pac-12 or fourth or fifth year, fourth year in the Pac-12. And I feel like we were just trying to earn the respect of everybody still. 
um, you know, the bigger names, kind of the more brand names, the USC's, the Washington's, Oregon's. Um, it almost felt like we were the underdogs going into all those games as, you know, we're trying to earn the respect. But now I feel like, I mean, I think we've won more games than any Pac-12 school over the past six years. And so it's just cool to kind of see how that's grown. And obviously that's a huge credit to Coach Whittingham and all the other coaches, but it's just been cool to see that transition. As a, uh, I'm sure you've heard plenty of jokes. Were you a Ron McBride recruit? What was it like doing one-on-ones against Eric Weddle? I'm sure they probably hit you with all sorts of these things. Um, But one thing that I, I remember talking to you earlier in the season that you guys as a team have been through so much as we're looking at, you know, your, your, uh, as we're doing this, you're in your warm up jacket, which has a very important logo on it, honoring two of your uh, former teammates and fallen teammates who you guys have overcome a lot of tragedy. And I thought that this past week, the, the program was honored with uh, the Courage Award from the Football Writers Association for how you guys have battled through that. And I think just from talking to several guys on the team, yourself, Nick Ford, and a few other guys, um, it's a very mature team, right? I mean, we can mm-hmm. talk about how long you've been there or not, but just you guys have a really unique perspective. So I wanted you to share with people how it was that you guys mm-hmm. were able, after a rocky start on the field, to able to have this amazing season where you get to go to a Rose Bowl and have have experienced and endured and, and overcome so much. Like, how were you able to actually do that? Yeah. Well, <clears throat> I, it's it's kind of a paradox in my mind because what what happened when when we went through all that stuff first of all obviously starting one and two including a loss to your rival school and then obviously losing the second teammate in a in eight months right um, football just became secondary in a way and as paradoxical as that sounds in terms of what translates to wins and losses, it really brought us together and helped us trust each other. It made us trust each other, made us rely on each other and kind of block out any other influence from the outside. And it was really cool to see because um, football became secondary for a a portion of time, um, especially once Aaron died. And um, we just, we we changed and guys had to go through things that you know no 19 year old kid should have to go through and we just grew up i feel like it's been really cool to see some of my teammates kind of just grow up um and there have been some amazing experiences but it was really cool because then when you started winning and everybody kind of wants to jump back on the bandwagon you have that perspective of that's cool but it's still just us in this room we're the ones that matter. We're the ones that pulled us out of this hole. So we're the ones that are going to stay together. And it's only these guys in this room that matter. Um, so it's been a really unique year and I wouldn't have it any other way. You know, I love the fact that we had a slow start because it makes it that much more special and it's going to be a metaphor and a thing I use my whole life talking about this team, just because of the experiences that I've learned from it. Bruce and I have always, you know, shown a lot of respect for Coach Whittingham and, and everything he's accomplished there. But I feel like for some people, it took even maybe even up through this season, he wins the Pac-12 championship for the first time to, to maybe truly appreciate it. If you could describe like what makes him such a good coach, what would you say to somebody? Um, I would say his authenticity to himself, that just 
trickles into the program. I've always felt like programs that have had a coach there for a good amount of time, probably five or five or so years, their identity starts to be embodied, right? The coach's identity starts to be embodied by the program. And so you take a school like Utah, Coach Witt's been the head coach for how many years is it? I forget how many years. He's been a coach there. Yeah. yeah. And the program is an embodiment of him because he's so authentic to himself and his coaching style that it all just trickles down. And eventually, you know, um, and I've always felt like coaches get fired too quickly these days because, you know, it's not going to just change one thing the moment, you know. But with time, um, the program really embodied what Coach Witt stands for. It's that toughness mentality, right, that feistiness um, that he showed as a player and as a coach. And he kind of tries to instill it in his leaders and then have his leaders instill it in the team. Um, I've always felt like the best teams are player-led, and that is a quote from Coach Whittingham. He's felt like the best, his best teams have been player-led. So it's been really cool to be more on the leadership side of a team where Coach Witt is driving into us this certain mentality and vision for the team, and then he expects us to kind of deliver that to the team. And I think that that's one of the coolest things about Coach Witt. Um, you know, it's the, he's of the mentality that even if you know we're going to run an inside zone to the right, we're going to still get 10 yards. You know, it's it's kind of that prideful, like, you can't stop me mentality. But it's really effective, and it's really cool to be a part of. So getting to that feistiness a little bit, there was a moment this season where you had the ball, you ended up out of bounds, you got a little overly feisty. The leader of the team or one of the leaders of the team gets a <laughs> gets a unsportsmanlike um, which who are you had a harder time facing after that, Coach Whittingham, your wife, maybe you're anybody in your family or your teammates to say, Britton Covey, what are you thinking? Well, I even surprised myself. I've never had an unsportsmanlike <laughs> penalty in my life. It was the most surprising thing in my life. Um, but we were down twenty-one-seven at half, and I was trying to get the offense just hyped. And on, so on the sideline, I was yelling and screaming. So I, even before that play happened, I had all this emotion just built up. And I kept thinking, how do I get, you know, these guys to just, I don't know, rally and fight. And so I just had an extreme level of emotion. And for someone, you know, to earn the right to flex, it's probably not a 160-pound <laughs> slot receiver. You know, I don't know if I've earned the right to flex. But I did it. And – uh I apologized to the team after the game, but I, it was funny because I actually had a lot of people say that that excited them because it was so out of character. You know, it was kind of uncharacteristic. Um, and luckily, Brant Keithy bailed me out the very next play. Otherwise, I'm sure I wouldn't be laughing about that penalty. Now, you know, I can say, oh, you know, I knew we were going to score. But it was uh, just I had so much emotion trying to get the guys fired up that it just came out. And it won't happen again, in case you're wondering. Well, yeah, if you do that on the, in the Rose Bowl, you know, they might there's oh. be a lot of people watching that game. So, you know, <laughs> right. rather rather happen in the game than it did. Exactly. Who is this small, you know, slot receiver? It's flexing. So, obviously a lot in college football has changed in your during your not just during your career, but just in the last couple of years with, yeah. with NIL, with transfer portal, and I feel like you're we'll get to both of those because we definitely want to talk to you about your own NIL endeavors, but like the transfer thing is a very hot topic right now. And on your own mm-hmm. team this year, you had 
Charlie Brewer come in from Baylor, start the first few games. He he loses the job. He transfers again. You know, your 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 running back is a transfer. You you guys have transfers all over the place. And then I'm sure you've had guys leave through the transfer portal. Right. You know what is? In, but you've been there the whole time. Like you're the you're the mm-hmm. picture of stability. What's that been like? You know, kind of adjusting to that. Yeah, the transfer portal is an interesting topic because, like you said, we've obviously benefited from the transfer portal. Um, but I've also had, I think, in the last two years, I've had six teammates transfer in the middle of the season um, or enter their name into the transfer portal. And it has been r- something that's really kind of really different than the college football that I grew up hearing about and obviously that you guys knew about. I mean, I grew up hearing stories about, you know, you don't start till you're a junior. That's just you kind of earn your due. You pay your dues till you're, you're a junior or maybe late sophomore year. Um, and so, I, I, I mean, I don't feel like the transfer portal has done a great job of kind of in, in what mentality it's instilled in this upcoming generation. Um, I definitely think there are situations and circumstances for everyone. And honestly, like in any other job in life, if you leave to another city, like no one's going to be like, what are you doing? You're betraying your company. You know, like if that's the best thing for you, you'll do it. Um, but I do think it's actually caused a lot of um, almost grass is greener, is it, or grass isn't always greener type scenarios for a lot of players because what's happening right now is they're, everybody's coming into college so obsessed with playing in the NFL that if they don't play when they're a freshman, like these other freshmen that they see on social media all the time, they start to panic and they start to, to freak out. Or if they don't play as a sophomore, they start to panic. And, you know, they start looking for, for another way. And then it's happened a lot of times. I mean, even with a lot of my teammates that have transferred from other schools, they get here and they realize the same thing. You know, you're still going to have to beat someone out. There's still another couple of guys in your position that you didn't know were going to be there that, you know, were either transfers or recruits. So I think there are circumstances where it's good, but as a whole, you know, I, I just think that it's kind of changed the mentality. Um, and not in a great way, in my opinion. I, I think, you know, it's not about, like, betraying your team as it is, like, you know, the grass isn't always greener, so you've got to really know what you're doing um, when you go into this portal. And, and I, I do feel bad a lot of times for a lot of the junior college kids, too, or, or high school kids, because I feel like a lot of scholarships are being taken up by transfers um, because a coach, of course, he's going to want a guy who has a year of college coaching under his belt, more than a guy straight out of high school sometimes. Britton, one of the things Stu alluded to was your uh, view on NIL and one of the things you're, you're working on. So we've talked about this as late as I think into the maybe a Pac-12 media days and it's something you've thought out a lot. Walk um, our audience through what you want to do with it and how you feel like it's something that really can be beneficial to the student athletes as well as the community yeah. around them. Well, Similar to the transfer portal, I feel like NIL has been something that a lot of people have feared how it would change the college landscape, right? And amateurism and things. I actually love NIL because it's all the creation of new money and new partnerships and opportunities. It's not really taking away from anything. It's the creation of new money and opportunities. So I think it's great. Um, And when it first started to come out, one of the first things that happened was I got hit up by 20 plus companies, random companies too, like 
this random cookie company next door, you know, just saying, hey, sponsor this. And it was really exciting and it was kind of chaotic. But then I realized that, you know, I want to attach my name to things that I care about, not just to make, you know, uh, a grand or $1,000 to promote this company. That's great. And I think athletes should do that. But also, while you have your platform, even if it's only for a few years, use your name, image, and likeness to attach your name to something that you care about and to do some good in the world. And so I've been trying to get all my teammates, you know, I talked to Nick Ford before the season telling him, hey, you cook, you should do a lot of stuff with the foster care or, um, and he's done a great job of that. Or I, you know, tried to get some of the guys to do stuff that they care about. I have a teammate who's had a brother with cancer. And, and I just feel like that could be a whole nother element to it that would just be such a good story and it would inspire the community. And so what I did obviously was I, I partnered with a charity called Bridal Up Hope, which was my cousin's charity. Um, my cousin who died by suicide um, from the effects of depression. And I partnered with them and their charity that they created where they help young girls struggling with mental health. They help them, you know, kind of grasp hope and, and and that excitement for life and, and battle those things. And the whole goal was to try and inspire other athletes to use their name, image, and likeness for good. And so I've got a platform hopefully coming out in January that's going to, you know, help connect athletes to charities and causes, you know, more than just businesses to make money. It's just like, what do you care about? What can we connect you to? So that's kind of what I've, what I've thought of it. Which is just amazing because, um, so many that, like you said, there's a lot of kind of fear around NIL right now. And right. the headlines tend to be the guys who, you know, quarterback who's getting seven figures before he ever steps foot right. on a college campus. Or obviously there were rumors last week about somebody signing with a school because of a certain NIL deal. But you're right. Like there's, you know, and we just saw Tyler, Tyler Lindbaum, the Iowa All-American Center, donated a huge amount of money to the yeah. And I owe money to the children's hospital there. Like there, and this is an opportunity that you guys didn't have. I don't think people understand this. Like you could not, right. you would be ineligible, right? From the NCA last year, if you would put your name on if this I, very worthy cause. Exactly. And that's one of many that I've done. You know, that's the one that I've put on public things, but I, I've been able to visit businesses that promote this, these types of things. And I've been able to talk to kids about these things um, and basically be an employee for some of these causes and charities and try and build awareness. And it's, that's why I just, I think there will be some, there will always be people who, you know, it's, it's all about the money, you know, and, and, I, and I get that. And with recruiting, the rich will get richer, the poor will get poorer a little bit because certain schools can offer, even though, you know, it shouldn't be this way, they'll offer certain name, image, and likeness opportunities that other schools can't. Um, but I still think the majority effect will be a positive effect once people start to, you know, catch the vision for what this could be. And that's kind of what I'm trying to, you know, a little player down in Utah trying to do is trying to inspire people to use their name, image, and likeness to do something bigger than you, something that, that's good and something that is important to you. Uh, so I, I'm excited to see where it goes from here. Britton, one of the things that, you know, kind of has jumped out at me a little bit as we're doing this and even from talking in the past 
So for our listeners who don't know, your grandfather was a best-selling author. It's it's a book that's well-known by a lot of folks who may not be football fans, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. There we have it, yes. It's, a, it's an extremely well-known book. But also, the story you just shared about your cousin and the tragic story, um, obviously we talked about the tragedies that you guys have dealt with as a team. You're talking about NIL as it's come through. The timing on all, a lot of this stuff to kind of come together, I'm not saying because you end up hitting on a lot of different aspects of struggles and the visibility. And it seems like uh, for anybody who's been around you, right? I mean, the joke in the Pac-12 was kind of you're the you're a little yogi, you know, for Yogi Roth and just kind right. of this kind of extremely positive, upbeat personality. It's very you know interesting to take a step back and go, man, all these things are kind of like the timing, the person who's kind of connected to it. As you said, the NIL, the kind of those things. I mean, do you look at it as, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but the timing and the vision and all these things, they don't feel all that coincidental in terms of like, hey, this, a lot of stuff seems to be very, um, I don't know where I'm going with this. I just Organized. think, this is the know, most like meandering question that you, Bruce, you've ever asked on this podcast. I'm, yeah, just but I'm sure he'll did. handle it. <laughs> no, it's just one, I mean, Stu, it's just one where he's talking about like, you know, the subject of mental health and, mm-hmm. and is such a hot button issue and so relevant. I mean, it's always been relevant, but I think it's even more so right. now. And just because of how, you know, your pedigree and your experiences and it's very, um, I don't know, I guess, I mean, talk me out of this, Britt. Yeah. <laughs> so. No, I, I, I understand what you're, like you said, meandering about with this. Is I, I think there's a few things. The first is, you know, growing up in Utah with the last name Covey, right? Um, as you said, my, my grandpa great author, just an amazing person in general. He has had a bigger effect on my life than anybody that I know and his teachings and principles. Uh, but sometimes growing up in Utah with the last name Covey, there's kind of a pressure that goes with it to be a certain way or things. And I actually think that it's really cool for people to see like, yeah, I'm a Covey, but also I, man, I struggle with this. My family has these same struggles that everybody else does. I've had a cousin struggle with this to the to the breaking point, multiple cousins, actually. And I think it goes along with everybody on that platform, you know, is, and that's why I do think college football players have a story to tell is, you know, yeah, I'm a plat, I've got a platform and I have a thousand rushing yards this season, but did you know that I struggle with mental health? Did you know that I, my mom passed away from cancer? You know, everybody kind of has, you know, what they're seen on social media as, but then also the real story about what's deep in their heart. And I feel like that kind of authenticity and vulnerability showing that it actually helps a lot of people uh, to see that they're not perfect or they struggle with this or, you know, their life isn't as dandy as it seems. Right. And I think social media can make it seem like that a lot of times, like everything's perfect, even for these influencers and things. Um, So I think that's, one of the things. And then I do believe, um, I, I have a strong belief in God. And, and I personally believe that 
I'm here for a reason. I always felt like I was led to the University of Utah. You know, I was a big BYU fan growing up, lived two minutes from the stadium. But I always felt like I was led to the University of Utah, who I hated growing up, right? But I always felt like it was to do something bigger than just play football and to be an advocate for things and to do whatever it was. So it was really cool, you know, when I decided to come back this last year to have this go into effect and just to to be a part of a team that had to deal with such tragedy and to have name, image, and likeness go into effect and to have the rise of social media get even bigger. And, and so I, I don't know. I, I just believe that we're all put in certain places for a reason. And um, it's not about you. It's about what you can do for other people. But I don't know if that answers your question, but, but I feel very, like everything has been kind of organized in that sense. I don't know how it worked out here where Bruce is asking all the heavy questions and I'm asking the light uh, football <laughs> questions, but we want to, before we go, we want to obviously ask you about the Rose Bowl. And, it, you know, right. I think another, you know, if you want to call it coincidence or this was meant to be kind of thing, but you opened your career against Michigan and you're ending it against yep. Ohio State. Um, for people who, who don't know much about Utah, Utah fan base, whatnot, you know, there's so much focus on the playoff, the four teams that make the playoff. And, and, a, and a team like yours that, that wasn't necessarily in contention, but won its conference and is going to the most prestigious bowl out there is a huge deal. And they've, you know, the, your AD has said they're expecting 60,000 Utah fans there, which is an insane, insane number. Can you d- kind of describe to us what it's yeah. like there right now? People must just be like on such a high. Oh, it's, it's unbelievable. It's, and that's why I love just, that's what's so cool about college football, right? As compared to other things is the small market teams still can just produce such great stories. And I mean, this, you know, Ohio State every year they're in the playoff and everything. And I know a lot of the, the bigger media personalities, that's kind of what they want. You know, the Ohio State and Michigan to be in the playoffs, which is great. Um, but the collective small market of college football is what makes college football special. And so you get a team like Utah, who we used to be BCS busters, right? Or you get a team like Cincinnati in the playoff. And that's what's so cool is, you know, Ohio State, yeah, they're in the Rose Bowl again. But Utah, we are in the Rose Bowl. Like the whole state is behind us. You got 60,000 people going down and they're going to remember it for years to come. And I just think it's really special. And I think that it's really cool that it gives you that opportunity, you know, the collective small market teams. I just love the idea of, you know, we did something that was, the, we wrote history, you know, as a Utah football team. And then you've got fans who are going to remember this team because we're playing in the biggest bowl game for ages, right? It's just, uh, it's really cool to kind of be that breakthrough team. And, you know, to play Ohio State, you know, just watching film, all of our film we're watching is going to be this week because when you get to the bowl site, you're so busy. And they're a good team. You know, they, they're exactly what you would expect. They're the textbook, athletic, but also smart. Um, they can play all different types of ways, zone, man, different coverages. So I'm excited. You know, it's, it's fun to play a, a team like that. Hey, Burton, before we let you go, one thing. We're taping this on Monday. Um, your former teammate, who is somebody I always admired because I thought Tyler Huntley was like as tough a quarterback as I'd ever oh, seen in yeah. college. Just 
would get pounded and you could not get him out of the game. He went undrafted and he's been quite a fine for the Ravens. Lamar Jackson couldn't play yesterday. He stepped in. He almost beat the Packers. I'm not saying single-handedly, but he was amazing. Yeah. This was a first-team all-Pac-12 quarterback. Nobody drafted him. He's playing really well in the NFL. What was it like for you guys to watch your former teammate, who a lot of people doubted and just kind of dismissed, seeing him play like this? Yeah. My dad and I were watching the game screaming at that last drive, just going crazy for him. Um all you got to do to know about Tyler is to watch some of his post-game interviews. He is the most genuine, just kind-hearted, good-hearted person. That's what, that's what was the reason we were all so drawn to him, was he was such a natural leader in the sense of just there was no guile in him. He, he just had whoever he showed, that's who he was. Um, so I'm so proud of Tyler, and I think that, you know, some of it comes down to the West Coast and we want to be as respected on the West as it is the East. So there's a little bit of pride there, you know, like Pac-12 quarterback had unbelievable national numbers, but didn't get too much respect undrafted. That's so a great story as well. Um, but just him as a person, I mean, he's got, you know, hundreds of players who've played with him that are just ecstatic for him. Just such a good guy. And I think that, you know, I don't know what's going to happen with him next year, but I think he's a franchise quarterback because um, he can do things that other people can't. And I think that's what it's all about in the NFL is finding a niche for yourself. So he's like Lamar Jackson 2.0. I mean, if you switch the numbers, you really can't tell. That's amazing. That's, that's got to be so cool to watch your former teammate, you know, block and do that oh, on the big stage. Yeah. Well, speaking of the big stage, you know, we wish you the best, obviously, in Pasadena. Enjoy everything about it, not just the game, the Lowry's Beef Bowl and the Disneyland and all that that leads up to it. And uh, we appreciate you so much coming on our show. Thanks, guys. It's been great. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Britton. Bruce, I got to say, I have to confess to something. As much as I thought I knew about Britton Covey, I did not know that about his grandfather. Seriously? Yeah. Somehow I missed that one. That's He's not just any author. Holy cow. I bet that book has sold millions of copies. Yes, a lot more than bowls, poles, and torches. <laughs> <laughs> you take all our book sales combined, they wouldn't. They would be, you know, one yeah. week's worth of that book. Uh, it's been a while since we've answered your emails. We're going to get to them in our second episode this week. Send them to the audiblepod at gmail.com, and we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.